Viva la Revolution! Uh-huh. Show 67. <laughs> Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome back. I get it now. I understand. <laughs> Nobody else does. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. It's a little foreshadowing. It is, and I am Scott. And I am Scott too, Duarte on this and Chanel on that. You didn't even have to cue me this time. No, no. We are <laughs> no almost kind of being professional. Yeah, well, give it a minute. It'll exactly. Go It'll go away. Yep. Uh, so... Uh, are we going to give the theme to this week's show? We're going to buzz right over to the news. Let's buzz right on over. News. News. So, uh, received an email this week from a listener, and two uh, in a row. Yes. Woo-hoo. We are hot. Uh, got a couple of uh, pieces of um, constructive criticism. Good advice. Uh, on the website, so I think I am going to add a contact button. It's kind of foolish of me not to have done that so far. What's a contact button? Where you click it and they can email. Oh, I thought they gave you medicine. Um, no. <laughs> Scott's in a good mood today. <laughs> Somebody went and fed him a bunch of caffeine or something. I don't know. And the other thing is, so that may mean um, that there might be... I'm also going to open the... Uh, commenting up so you don't have to be registered. Um, I'm going to try give it a test for like two weeks. And okay. uh, if the spam people come in, then I will shut it back down. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I agree with it in theory. Right. But, I mean, on my site, my Akismet spam filter right. is hidden around 200 a week. Oh, no kidding. Okay. It's just well, that ludicrous. was that was the reason that I wanted to that I started it up on WordPress where people had to register because when I was doing the Drupal installation, uh-huh. um, it was I mean it was crazy and I had to go in and they would actually register, yeah exactly, and come in and do it and so um, it was a pain in the butt. Well, luckily, yeah, I mean WordPress emails me, so it's like thank you for alerting yeah. me to your spamming. Yes, yes, so. Um, so those two changes are coming up, uh, may even be available by the time you get this. Nice. Woohoo. We're going to put a tip jar. Um, nah, not yet. <laughs> Send us money. You can if you want, but we'll figure out how to do that if you want. Um, currently I'm, I'm, I'm still okay. I with, was just it. joking. Yep. But you know, it does cross my mind on occasion. <laughs> so. All um, five of you. That is my news. That's my news, too. Yeah. I got no news. John Jacob Jingleheimer news. Oh. His news Man, is Man, I didn't know you were going too. that direction. Yes. Yes. Whatever people say. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew the second word. So what are we talking about today? Today we are going into, um, basically it's chapter two 
of Paolo Freire's Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Yes. I um, pulled it out of my archives. And... Uh, we need a good archive sound. We do need a good archive sound. And it has some, some good stuff to it. Yeah, I read through this. I was like, I was really happy. By the, <laughs> really happy and slightly angry by the time I got done. Well, it's, I wasn't it, angry at him. Uh -huh. I was angry at... at the world? Yes. I Just understand you. I understand you. So, um, we'll try not to shuffle papers too much during this whole thing. We'll try not to, but we so don't promise anything. Can you lay it out? Lay it out. The idea of pedagogy of the oppressed. What does it mean? Where did it come from? Well, we're gonna we're gonna hit it in sections. Um, oh, we are. Okay. But I wanted to run back to the other side of the office to grab two things that I had. But now that you're forcing me to actually talk. Oh, you want me to talk so that you can go <laughs> go run. Exactly. So, um, so we're gonna do it in sections, and we're gonna talk about uh, something first, and then something else after that. Oh, talk while I go run and get stuff, and then you come back and you don't got nothing in your hands. Okay, I see. Yeah. I see how it is. Oh, man. Oh, well. It's okay. Fake it. I can't fake it. So he should be back any second. Now. Yep, I'm back. There I'm he here. Yay. Okay, so we were talking about a general overview yes. of what it is. And granted, this is we're only really focusing on Chapter 2. And uh, chapter two, it's going back to what we've discussed in past episodes of uh, Guide on the Side versus uh, Sage on the Stage. And the whole Viva la Revolucione, I see now I can't even no, say it. Vuva. <laughs> I'm fairly sure that's not Spanish. <laughs> no, that's the Latin. Oh, okay. <laughs> Viva la Revolucion. I had no idea. There we so go. Erudite. Yes, yes. It's the archaic version of it. Um, <laughs> is just, well, at the time that this was written, which it was in the 60s. Really? Yeah. That makes me sad. Yeah, that's when his book came out uh, of the same title. Right, right. Um, that we've kind of stolen the chapter from. Borrowed. Yes. We'll give it back when we Exerpted. Excerpt. Did. We're we're for purses of per okay keep going cause I, I can't get it out. you know this started off so, so well. well yeah so well oh well oh well i know um so the 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 main focus is it's a sage on the stage guide on the side sort of idea right and what he's and what i read out of it is it, it his ideas came from looking at inner city schools um, where the the students were being were actually uh, pavloving the teachers yeah. into doing old style stuff. They wouldn't behave unless they were given grammar uh, exercises and stuff like that. You know, typical traditional school stuff. And uh, the you got that out of this. Uh, it was in there. It was either <laughs> in there or in the other one. It was in the other one. Oh, okay. It was in the okay. other one. Well, then it was in the, it was in the other one. Yes. <laughs> but it was still an article. Where did that other article come from? Do you remember? Um, On the front of that that you have in there. I ripped it off. Oh. I don't know. I don't know where, where the other one came from. title of it is... Pedagogy of Poverty versus Good Teaching by Martin Haberman. Uh, Phi Delta Kappen. 
And then it looks like there was a photocopy issue that it didn't quite... No, maybe Phi Delta Kappa. Okay. So, and yeah, that's going more into the inner city schools. Um, Pedagogy of the Oppressed is talking more just old-style teaching versus um, revolutionary styles. Well, revolutionary for n 1960s. Yeah, but I would say that even today it's still revolutionary. Unfortunately, yes. And, I mean, especially in countries like Japan. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and Asia, and for that matter. And I would say the vast majority of the U.S. Oh, no! Oh, yeah. I went there. I, I think it's going... The U.S. is going back towards... Traditional? Well, traditional the whole way. no child left behind... And teach thing, for the test teach, type teaching thing. Teaching for the test, yeah. So, um, but the, the one thing that I did get out of here, and I, I was going to wait until the end to make the point, but I'm going to start with it now and then reiterate it at the end. Um, the the whole idea of pedagogy of the oppressed well the problem is everybody's oppressed because what he's saying is do these in modern terms task-based project-based useful assignments where the students have to use the knowledge that they would get in the regular traditional classroom through drills and all mm -hmm. that stuff but yeah, and in the one article it says for the inner city classrooms, and in in the inner city classrooms, absolutely, it's in particular a problem. But I what would is? say, well, the whole drill and kill okay. idea. And but what I would say is, in the vast majority of classrooms, and you know, you can say that the, it's expanding in the U.S. and that people are starting to do more interesting things in the classroom. But I still think it's a really small minority. Now, I don't have any numbers to back that up with, but right. Um, but that's that's the great thing about having our own podcast. We can just spout out these. That's right. And let somebody else figure out where those exactly. numbers are. Find those numbers and email them to There's me. no one in the U.S. doing That's right. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, you know, based on that idea, I think I think every all students in that way are oppressed and fit in this category in one to one degree or another. Well, yeah, the whole the whole notion of oppressed is where students um they're oppressed in that they aren't thinking for themselves right. they um are not using any cognitive abilities in their learning it, it's all just take the information from the teacher shove it into your brain cram it down can and I say it? Can I say it say it regurgitate it back regurgitate don't make noises <laughs> uh, dude that was the podcast button oh regurgitate okay. Sweet. <laughs> Sound effect. I didn't even see that button. Exactly. There. So, um, but yeah, regurgitate it, and that's knowledge. Right. And it, it's really, really sad. Yeah, but and it, it, in particular sad because if, if, it, if it is like you said, and this was published in the late 60s, then right. um, the fact that we're still dealing with the same issue today makes me want to cry. Exactly. But, exactly. Um, yeah, and you know, it's any it's kind of symptomatic for any culture that that teaches to a test. In Japan, there are many tests that they that the teachers have to teach to, and right, it's a you know it's a really strong problem. And I imagine our listeners will say, "No, wait, in my country too." Yeah, pretty much so. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, Ferrer talks about a whole the whole concept of oppressive teaching. He calls it a banking concept. Yeah, I where that was a good. Uh, yeah, Good analogy. It very much so. Where the teacher just makes deposits into the student's brain receptacles. Receptacles. <laughs> uh -huh. I knew you were going to go there. And um, and that's just it. 
It's right. uh, very much a one one way flow of information. Right, and that that fits in our sage on the stage guide on the side idea, where the teacher is the font of knowledge at the at the front of the class, and the students come up one at a time to enlighten themselves from drinking from the teacher. Wait, no, that doesn't. <laughs> anyway, mixed metaphors. Yay! Exactly. Woohoo! And so, um. A little checklist that he gives you to, to let you know whether you are a banker or a revolutionary-style teacher. I am broke. <laughs> um, some things are like the teacher teaches and the students are taught. And if that's one of your ideas, then something's wrong with that. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little more about that after. Let me just rattle through these. Uh, teacher knows everything and the students know nothing. I know nothing. Well, I mean, I know everything. But, okay, okay. Well, eh, keep going, keep going. Teacher thinks and the students are thought about. <laughs> if they're lucky. Exactly. Teachers talk and the students listen meekly. Yes. Uh, teacher disciplines and the students are disciplined. And, you know, I think this needs to be done, especially in <laughs> middle schools. But, but it's, <clears throat> keep going. Okay. Um, teacher chooses and enforces his choice, and the students comply. There is no student choice, basically. Uh, teacher acts, and the students have the illusion of acting through the action of the teacher. Rampant. Uh, teacher chooses the program content, and the students who weren't consulted adapt to it. I can, I can make an argument that even project-based kind of goes to that a little bit, but... Oh, yeah, and I mean, you can say, well, in my class, I choose to do video podcasting. Right, and the students don't have a choice about and it. And they don't have a choice about it, but they do have a choice within that to what type of projects they do, mm -hmm. um, what directions it takes. So, I mean, to a certain degree, it can't just be all free form. There needs to be some structure yeah, that the teacher gives. To, yeah, there still has to be boundaries. But you still need to leave a lot of room for students to be able to explore their own thoughts and find their own voice and idea yep. and I. direction. Better I? I. A teacher confuses <clears throat> the authority of knowledge with his own professional authority, which uh, sets in opposition to the freedom of the students. So that means the teacher thinks that he knows everything that's going on and says... Um, well, be yeah, because he's the teacher, he must know everything. Right, right. Um, and the last one, teacher is, the teacher is the subject of the learning process while the pupils are mere objects. Care to elucidate? Um, beyond student uh, teaching center and... Um, teacher center versus uh, student centered. Yeah. So the teacher has to maintain focus and the students have to be... Everything revolves around the teacher. And the students are just there in the background to observe and, and notice and take notes to what happens with that. Right, right. Cool. And so these are bad things. These aren't the good things. Yep. And um, so he talks about how to, not even how to, but that it should be broken away from. That training, that uh, style of teaching should be discouraged, um, thrown out the window, just chucked on and regurgitated upon that okay i didn't even follow that and i'm sitting in the same room with you oh you know hey so gotten rid of yeah, exactly 
And so revolutionary educators, um, well, well, things that I, I, let me just read this one little part and, okay. and go from there. Efforts well, must coincide with those of the students to engage in critical thinking and the quest for mutual humanization. His efforts, uh, the teacher's efforts must be imbued with the profound trust in men and their creative power. To achieve this, he must be a partner to the students uh, in his relations to them. And he goes on in a section further on that it's not just teacher-student. The teacher becomes a teacher-student, and the students become student-teachers. Mm-hmm. And so basically, not only do the students learn from the teacher, but the teacher is giving them projects and giving them work where he is learning through their, um, the results and, uh, of their, their efforts. Right. Um, let me give an example of how this can work. Um, I used to do a project that I used to call the carousel um, or the museum piece. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, I think somebody else called it carousel, but I called it museum piece where we had been talking about, you know, some something, in, for example, one class was doing inventors. <coughs> I need a cough button. Um, and so over the semester they were doing, they were working on, you know, all of these major inventors in the 20th century. And uh, at the end of the semester they would uh, do a poster presentation, kind of like you'd do at a conference where they would stand in front of their poster and then other students in the class would come around and uh, ask them questions about their poster and they'd give a short little presentation on whatever, it, whoever it was that they were talking about. Uh, worked great, students loved it. Um, it took two 90-minute classes. I'd split the class in half um, and have one half of the class giving presentations and the other half of the class watching the presentations and then switch. Um, but it, without fail, they would always, almost every presentation would have some piece of knowledge that I didn't know about. Right. And, you know, I, I pride myself pretty good on being very familiar with, you know, major influences of the 20th century as far as, you know, like Edison, Tesla, uh, Einstein, stuff like that. Tesla was a good rock band. Yes, before that. Oh, okay. Yes. The Never guy that mind. the car named his name back. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, just lots of little things would come up, and I was always astounded at the end of the semester because they would come up with, you know, just new things that I didn't know about that person or um, some. There was another class that did technology and found out that uh, if you hold your passport under a black light, although people might know this now, if you hold your passport under a black light, there's like black or black light printing all right, all right. Yeah, I didn't know that and that and when students showed it to me and they're like I'm like oh oh that's cool <laughs> I had no idea so yeah well yeah you, you not only learn about uh concrete subjects such as that but you learn about the students themselves it makes everyone more involved and have a a larger piece of each other yeah and piece of each other's education and yeah. so forth um, another good point that he, he spoke about in this was that teaching them abstract concepts or concepts that they're not familiar with really hinders the learning process, that you need to really tie it into the students' lives in some way to make that learning and their thought processes um, really 
I just lost the train of thought. Yeah, well, let me give you the example that I used to use, uh, the 7th and 8th grade math class. Uh-huh. Um, I remember raising my hand and, and saying, what am I ever going to use this for? And the teacher would try to hem and haw and give me some examples and stuff and um, generally never gave me a really good reason to as to why I had to learn, you know, the trig rules and all that stuff. So. Mm-hmm. And and how did you finally learn it? Who gave you? Sokotoa. Who did you sock it to? <laughs> Sokotoa is the, what is the S? The, what is the S? Sine is the equal to the opposite over the hypotenuse. The cosine is equal to the adjacent over the hypotenuse. And the tangent is equal to the opposite over the adjacent. Ah. Uh-huh. So well, I let me- used a minimanonimonic. Ah, sweet. Let me give you a a different example. Same with math, though. I mean, you can sit in the classroom and teach these concepts of how to uh, use the sides of a triangle to figure out all the different things. See, I I hate math. But a lot of of math teachers are taking their students out of the classroom into the, the yard or whatever and say, okay, let's measure that tree. Now let's figure out how to do the, the angle and all that, and they're using it for practical purposes. Now, mm-hmm. in their adult life, will they need to measure a tree? Maybe, maybe not. But it's giving them something that they know, yeah. something concrete in their life, and applying theoretical... Yeah, something that they theories. can attach the idea to. Exactly. And, uh, and I'm sure that uh, all the listeners out there have some example of that, where once you went out and tried it with you know, that, then whatever it was that you were trying to learn made a lot more sense mm-hmm. if you could think about it in this way or think about it in that way. Right. Uh, another point that he makes, and I'll just read, it's from, uh, yet only through communication can human life hold meaning. The teacher's thinking is authenticated only by the authenticity of the student's thinking. Teacher cannot think for his students, nor can he impose his thought on him. Oh, how many teachers do that? Um, there's a particular ju- subset of teachers that do that, right. in my opinion. Right. And uh, so those of you who are out there teaching, um, uh, in particular, things like, uh, yeah, women's, well, <laughs> women's studies and feminism. Um, <clears throat> and uh, before I get the letters, I'm there is a right way to teach that stuff and the wrong way to teach that stuff. And what I think a lot of people are doing is saying that when you come into this feminism class, this is the only way to think about it. This is the only way to do it. And there can't be any other way. And if you think someone think a different way, you're wrong and you're going to fail. You can't, it's you can't not, question it. It's not argument supported. It's not say, look, these are the situations. This is why, you know, society has a slant against women and these are the things that uh, demonstrate it and you know there's no back and forth about it it's it's black and white and um, you know some people take it to way too extreme because there are there can be other ways to look at right things and uh, without going into too much detail it's it it makes me sad because what it do, what it shows me is that those teachers are not thinking about <clears throat> making life better for the group that they're studying, in this case, you know, feminism, women's studies, whatever. Right. Um, they are looking at how to continue to make 
continue to position those people in the in the role of victim and so that they can so that it is perpetuated not by the overall uh society but by that group as well right so women are victims because women are victims rather than saying women are strong powerful beings and deserve to be on equal footing um <clears throat> they're saying no women are always treated this way so rather than trying to change the situation they're they're say all right no you got to lock into my thought right on it and because i'm right and i know what i'm talking about and there's no other way to view this yeah foolish silly yeah and counterproductive in my opinion right uh, he goes on to say authentic thinking um is concerned about reality and does not take place in isolation but only in communication and a lot of those classes the teachers might say okay talk about this one situation but they're only looking for one answer right. really they're not looking for students to come up with uh different thoughts on an issue right right yeah, and so, so yeah and you know that that type of thinking can be found in cultural classes um in in race relation classes you know things that are really really important to society and um if you have somebody who is the authority but is unwilling to uh you know listen to arguments then you know there's no discussion happening and that that's where you the communication thing right the back and forth is what's important about it and making people aware of what's going on exactly <clears throat> and i mean students want that i i just had my students write um essays on the importance of education and so one of them uh was I'll, I'll read you real quick. Um, a third reason of the importance of education uh, is the importance of education for society. It means that to manage a good society, we should get a good judgment. You can't get a good judgment just from listening to a teacher and regurgitating, for use your word, mm -hmm. um, exactly what they they say. You need to learn to think for yourself. And Ferrer talks about that in... Um, problem problem posing education mm -hmm. and um having people um develop uh critical thinking in the right. world and in in what's around them and to uh only in that way can they really become uh true humans in society right and one of the one of the points that I want to make with this is it's not saying that people who have studied something for years and years and years and years um, who have become authorities on that topic are always wrong. But what it's saying is that that person, when they are giving their opinions, need to show their thought process on how they got there, right? They need to have the students go through some of the same struggle that, that they did in, in that in grasping the con concept. I'm not I'm talking about struggle with grades. I'm talking about, um, well, okay, you have A here and you have B here. Um, and the, the, the authority knows, rather than just the authority saying A is right and B is wrong, the students have to come to the conclusion that A is right and B is wrong. And the authority can lead them there. Right. But, you know, you as the authority, you still need to, you know, show... Well, like like my math teacher said, show your work. Mm -hmm. Where do, what, you you got to that conclusion? Why? You know, 
Exactly. And that, that's in, more interesting for students, in my opinion. But I think that the teachers also need to say, well, you know, I've come to this conclusion because of this, but there might be other, other right. conclusions right. also. Right. And I'm not talking about reinventing the wheel every mm -hmm. time because that, that's too long of a process. But, you know, allowing students to have their own freedom of thought and, right. you know, on whatever topic is being taught. And my personal, in my writing classes, when I give them an issue, I, I don't tell them, I, I give them my opinion, but I'm like, look, if you disagree with me, that's fine. The one thing that I'm looking for when you disagree is why you disagree and show, show me some examples and support of your thinking. Right. And so, you know, even if I don't like what they say, I'll still give them the grade that they deserve based on did they support their idea. Right. And I think there are a lot of instances where that doesn't happen. Well, and, and I think, especially in Japan, it's a educational system where that's not fostered. Right. T uh, students aren't fostered, aren't raised to think for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and they usually don't have a lot of group work or discussion in the classes. It's all lecture style. Right. And, and I mean, I'm not, I'm harping on Japan just because we're here. It's been a while since I've been in the States to uh, seem to recall whether it's the same there or not. Right, right. Um, and the, the other, another part of that is, um, you know, I, I've ran into teachers here who say it's really annoying when students ask me questions in class because then I can't get through this lecture that I've finished, you know, and I need to get through the end of it. And I'm like, but that's the students asking questions kind of the point, isn't it? Right. And they're like, no, I need to get through this in information so I can load it into their brains and have them regurgitate it back on For the test. For the test. See, it's a maximum use of regurgitation. <laughs> uh, another student uh, put, secondly, education makes me improve gradually. Uh, human beings can progress by learning. And, and that's what this is all about. And going back to your example of not just the women's study, but it can happen in culture classes, all this. They're not really improving if they're just spouting off someone's opinion. They Somebody need to, else's opinion. Someone else's opinion, yeah. They need to, those style classes need to teach them how to think for themselves to see whether something is right or wrong, how to perceive it, uh, and make their own judgments on it. Right. And that's how they improve gradually. Well, and if you, let's hit cultural studies a little harder. Okay. Um, one of the things that I, I worry about with cultural studies, culture studies classes is the whole idea of cultural relativism. You're looking at it saying these people are doing this wrong because of that's because mainly that's not how we do it here. And so culture, cultural, culture studies classes really need to be very careful about, you know, those value judgments. And I, I realize that most are, but not all. Right. You know, um, there have been a number of times where I've heard colleagues or whatever say, oh, this is wrong. Well, it, maybe it's not wrong in this cultural context because you're bringing your background and upbringing and, and social mores to the table when you're saying, right. you know, I don't like this or I don't like that. That's wrong. This is wrong. Um, this is not your ball game necessarily. Right. Um, now, you may be... And, you know, I've heard people say it about Japan, and there's a lot of things about Japan that are I, different. I take issue with. 
Um, and I, in my, for my value system, no, that's not right. But I'm not living in my value system. Right. I'm living in theirs. And so that's not to say that that can't be changed. Um, but you need to really look at the problem and where the problem is coming from before you can begin to step that change. Right. Well, how did we get into culture class? Well, I mean, I, it's relevant, but I'm worried it's that relevant. it came, became, is getting off topic. Well, but it's not because, I mean, I was just thinking as, as you were talking about this, um, how does this affect the ESL world? And a lot of ESL courses, especially at the university level, it's not just about um, reading skills or writing skills. You're starting to develop the cognitive skills. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. a lot of them, especially speaking listening classes, are discussion-based classes. Yeah, yeah. And so you can choose uh, different topics, but you have a lot of leeway to teach the students how to think critically. Right. And it's still, I mean, thinking critically is not the same as thinking how you think. Right. And that's what you were saying before, as in you'll give them the points if they can support it. Right, right. Even if it totally goes against your set of beliefs and values. Right. At least they are thinking for themselves. Right, right. And, and that's the important part, and that's how... We develop people as humans and not just as students of English or so forth. Or lemmings. Or, exactly. Lemmings was a good one, huh? It was. I, I did not see that coming, and <laughs> I appreciate it. Yay. So, but it made me lose my train of thought again. Lemmings. Oh! <laughs> what were you um, Well, th there's one other on this list that I kind of want to um, okay. pick at. Uh, Hit it. The teacher disciplines and the students are disciplined. Smack them. <laughs> so, Mister Disciplinarian. <laughs> well, and it's it's one th it's a hard thing to reconcile with the with the way this chapter goes, right? Um, because his idea is, um, if you lead the horse to water, it then will. the horses will magically go up to the water and begin to consume it, and they will be all happy, and you will be all happy, and um, not always. <laughs> And, and pink fluffy bunnies will be jumping and, and white and puffy clouds and just lots of puffiness. Exactly. Um, so, your what's your take on the on the idea of discipline with relationship to to this? Is is he taking it as an extreme, or is he is he talking about traditional discipline, or? Yeah, I mean, he didn't really go into it in in the rest of the chapter. Right. So, well, the the idea that I'm pulling from it is okay. he's he's talking primarily about old school, you know, kind of the Blues Brothers with the with the crazy nun hitting them on the right, with right, the right. stick between the heads and stuff. A funny movie, ha <laughs> um, And so he's talking about that type of discipline. All the students must be seated in their rows, silent, looking forward, sitting attentively. Taking notes, not asking questions, right. not questioning right. the teacher. And so that's one look at discipline. And I, I agree that that isn't necessarily what you want. And I think uh, he doesn't say it and he doesn't go into it. But I think more what he's looking for is a general idea of respect in the class. Right. And expanding that to the point of when someone is talking, not just the teacher. Mm -hmm. When someone is talking, shut up and listen. 
and occasionally students need to be told, shut up and listen. Right. <laughs> it may be nicer than that, depending on the students. Shut up, please, <clears throat> and listen. Yes. Um, but that that idea of the, you know, what is, where is the discipline level in class? Right. And I know here, okay, I'm going to go back to a Japan example again because it drives me crazy. Um, in the elementary schools, uh, many, many times I've heard, I've seen, uh, you know, students playfully slapping the teacher and, you know, hitting him in the butt and trying to get their attention and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And, um... I keep telling my students, no, that's not acceptable behavior in class. And again, I think from the way I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it from a um, point of uh, respect rather than discipline. It's not respectful to hit the teacher. Um, although this one does happen to coincide with the more traditional values of you will not hit the teacher or else. Right. You know, there's my two cents. I'll or take it. I'll deposit it. In the bank? <laughs> In the bank. All right. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It, it's its giving the students a voice, I think. I mean, overall, it, it's letting the students. Did you switch students... gears or are we still on discipline? No, 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 I switch gears. Okay. I, I, I'm going big picture now. Okay, cool. Because I, I really have nothing to say about that one. Okay. I, I didn't see the relationship really. For the rest of it, it might have been pulled in. I might have been pulled in from another book that I'm in the process of reading too. So, but no, I mean he had it on the list. Yeah, he had definitely had it on the list. Um, just the big picture, giving allowing the students to find their own voice. Right. Uh, giving them the tools to find that voice, um, whether it's in their writing assignments, because hopefully, oh, I hate it when my students just write about the same thing, exact same thing that they've just read about or whatever. Right, right, right. I mean, take that knowledge, apply it to your own world, and give me something uh, new and fresh with right, it. Right, And so you really want to foster that. And you're right, there are teachers who all they want to do is hear the students say exactly what they've just been lectured on right. and what they've read about from their great sources that yes. they pull from. yes. And, um, yes, we do have a teacher in mind, but, um, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> I have no teachers in mind. but, um, so yeah, they just, they want that regurgitation and they think that's learning and it's not, it's, it's memorizing and, and the students might be a little better for having that knowledge, but they haven't been given the tools of how to use that knowledge yeah, and the, or really, apply it. Yeah, and, and that's the key. It doesn't come full circle. The students have not internalized it. It's not a part of them. So as soon as um, they're out of that class, um, they're either going to completely forget what they were told or they're going to revert back, which is really ends up being the same thing. And so there's no lasting impact on it, uh, of it. And so... You know, as ESL teachers, we have the benefit of tackling any number of topics, ideas, and probably more so than any other style of teacher, probably mm -hmm. with the exception of possibly elementary school students who are teachers who are who are doing, you know, holistic. You know, they have to do all, all the subjects. All right. We can do all of the subjects. Mm -hmm. And so if it's a speaking class, we can talk about 
you know, we can talk about history one week. We can talk about, um, you know, women's studies another week. We can talk about um, business another week. Right. And we have all of those areas open to the students. And so it's really a responsibility as teachers for these kids to be able to get in and let them actually develop their ideas. Right. Rather than say, all right, business is bad because capitalism is ruling the world and now it's destroying it and now we're all going to die. And Well, so. and, and that brings me to the point, I mean, you were saying they either, they don't internalize it, which I, I totally agree with, or um, so they forget it or they can't use it in their real life. But the other uh, possible situation is that they do remember it and they do take it and they take it for... Uh, word handed down from God. Ah, right, right, right. And they just spout it, and what they're spouting is wrong. Right, yeah. And uh, that's equally dangerous. And when, when in this case, it's not necessarily even that the authority that they got it from was wrong. The authority could be absolutely correct, but perhaps the students in their studying misremembered it and is, are saying it, they think they're saying exactly what the authority had told them, but it it got twisted somehow in their mind because they they forgot. Oh, it's supposed to be and this instead of or this, right? You know, and so and that's the danger because the students don't really understand the ideas behind it, mm -hmm. and so they're they're just you know, and I'm right, me exactly mm -hmm. because I'm the teacher exactly. So. So remember, you are sages, you're not, no, <laughs> I screwed up. You are not sages on the stage, you do not know everything, we do not know everything. Um, um excuse me, I, I, I know everything. Yes, but you're not allowed to tell everything. Oh, okay, okay, sorry, it, which, sorry. We'll edit that one world, out. Yeah, no, 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 to the rest of the world, it looks like you don't know everything, even though you do. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, you all. You, exactly. Um, and I lost the total. Point <laughs> There's sure. a lot of that going around today. Anyway, so remember, everybody, go out there, be guides on the sides, be friendly to your students. You don't have to be their friends, but you are more like a guide through the jungle, making sure that the students don't step on the poisonous snakes or into the traps or into dangerous situations. You want them to be able to find their way through the jungle the next time when you're not around. Okay. And with that note. <laughs> I had to do a jungle noise. Yes. Because it was very nicely well, well said and well thought out. And I liked the whole analogy. But it needed some jungle sounds. Yes. And, and that's my job to bring it back down to a low level. <laughs> yes. I didn't realize I had a jungle sound button on my box. So. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, I am Scott again. And I am Scott. Uh, quick emails. Yep. S-C-O-T-T at education.org. S-C-O-T-T-D-U-A-R-T-E, all one word, all lowercase, all at education.org. Yep. Uh, if you agree with us or disagree with us, uh, email us or my chingo us or on the website. Or go to the website. And uh, like I said, I'm going to open up the WordPress, so you should be able to leave your comments. That's there right. Without a whole lot of trouble. Yeah, and, no uh, spam, please. Yes. And uh, the ambulance says that it's time for us to go. We're wheeling out the, <laughs> the sick and dying yeah, from well, listening to our show. We're the sick and dying. See you, everybody. <laughs> Take care.